And welcome back here on Bleeding Green, Bears, Burgers, and Bearcat Football. I'm your host, Matt Daniel, here one last time, one final episode here to kind of wrap up a season, put a bow on it. Of course, uh, disappointingly ending in uh, Big Rapids, Michigan on Saturday, a 41-20 loss for the Bearcats. Uh, disappointing for all involved. Of course, I think the I think the players uh, and coaches really believe that this team was going to go farther. I'll be honest with you, I did. I, uh, I I knew that we were the underdog and, and Fair State's an awful good team. And I just, uh, you know, I, I was just I was just holding out hope. I thought I still think there was something special about this team. You know, we have a lot of thoughts and things, but, you know, it, it boils down to we're really spoiled. Right. I mean, we were all disappointed. I was there. I was in the stands. It, it, there were moments it wasn't fun, um, you know, to watch. Um you know, for the careers of so many of the the seniors and things, you know, coming to an end and, and you know, seeing the emotions kind of after the game and, and from parents as well who've, you know, been around the program for a while and, and uh, you know, that, that there is no next year for the rest of us. You know, there's a there's a next year certainly as as fans and and a lot of really good talented players coming back and and for the coaching staff. But that being said, I think there's a lot of things to be proud of for this team. First outright um, MIAA championship since 2016. Um, you know, yes, we didn't hit the 12 win mark, but let's be honest, we would have if we would have played Lincoln. Um, I, I think the eye test says I don't know what the, the the stats maybe don't bear out that this you know was a more impressive team than 2019. But I'm telling you, this was a better team than 2019. And I, I truly believe that. Ferris State is just really good. And I'll be honest, it sucks. Okay, it does. That it, it does. I don't like Ferris State. I don't like their program. I don't like the way that they carry themselves. And it, it, whatever you can say, it's sour grapes or whatever, right? But all of that being said, Coach Anise is one heck of a football coach, and that guy can coach offense one hundred percent. And they did things to our defense that we haven't seen in a while. You know, forty-one points given up by the Bearcats the last time that happened was in a game I inadvertently brought up last week when I was talking about road wins in the 2011 playoffs. We lost 41-16 at Pitt. The John Brown game, as I kind of dubbed it, where that guy just went off, and and we lost down in Pitt. So um, all of that said, credit to Ferris State. You know, I, I really think this Bearcat team was a top-five team. I, I feel like I can make a pretty strong argument that we're the third-best team in the country behind Ferris and maybe Valdosta, and maybe not. Um, you know, if, if you've listened throughout this season, though, you know I'm a guy that, for the most part, focuses on the positives, right? I'm not going to come on here and, and trash players or coaches or whatever. That's just not, that's just not really what I do in general. Um, not that I don't have criticisms and things, and I've brought them up on here, but again, I like to focus on the positives. You know, there's a lot of reasons to be really happy with this team and proud of the season. Doesn't mean we have to be satisfied. I guarantee you the players and coaches are not satisfied with this season. But I think as fans, we can definitely be proud of this team. And uh, it was really neat kind of seeing, you know, transfers, guys that came in and really bought into the culture and things. We're going to talk about that. I just kind of wanted to give you some of my thoughts on this game. Um, obviously, you know, you you can definitely point to the offense, right? I mean, Braden Wright made some plays. You know, he he, uh, you know, that man, that first throw that he had for our first touchdown drive to to Trayvon Alexander on the deep route that 
you know, ended up not going for a touchdown, but we would score a touchdown on that drive. It was one of the most impressive throws I've maybe seen all season, you know, but he also, you know, had moments where he didn't play well, where he hung around in the pocket too long and, and just missed some open receivers. Um, but it's not all on him. You know, he, he's a guy that gets a ton of criticism and, um, you know, who, who I, Definitely do not criticize as harshly as a lot of people. I get kind of labeled as a maybe a Braden apologist by some people. So be it. I, I like Braden Wright, the kid. I think he's a good kid, and I don't think he's a bad quarterback, um, certainly. And I think nobody wants to succeed more than him. But, you know, yeah, he didn't get the job done. But you know what? So did not a lot of people. You know, you can point up and down the lineup, you know, to the – to the defense who carried this team and kind of honestly, you know, needed the offense to bail them out and which really, they really haven't had to do that all season. And, uh, you know, Ferris just had the secret sauce. They did some things against our defense and, and um, it, it, it was impressive that they were able to do that. I don't think the one game though takes away from the successful season, you know, that, that this team has had. And I, I'm proud of this team. I really am. Am I, am I disappointed it ended the way that it did? Yeah, sure. Of course I am. You know, I, I felt like this team was a semifinal or, or national championship game, you know, caliber team. I really do. And, and to think about where we've come from, I'll talk about the, where my expectations have come from, from that very first game against Hayes, you know, it, it was kind of ugly. And then, you know, we have the, the thrilling come from behind victory against Pitt state. And then we lose the next week in, uh, you know, in Topeka to, to Washburn things really turned around, you know, all credit to the coaches and players and things. And, and, um, anyway, there's a lot to talk about. There's a lot to break down. One of the things you're going to hear is my final player interview of the season. Now there, um, this was recorded before the playoffs started, just so you know, it's defensive back Isaiah Nimmers, who was one of the transfers, who, and I, I think it's a really, really great interview. I think you'll enjoy that. Of course, Devin Albertson, MIAA columnist from D2 Football. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about. Adam Doral going to UCO. Holy smokes, that kind of, I'll be honest, shocked me. It was something that rumored that I kind of laughed at. Anyway, well, I'll talk more about that with Devin. And Matt Trenton, color analyst for the Bearcat Radio Network, will be joining me and kind of talking about some of the things, you know, him and I uh, previewed this season. You know, he, as well as John Dykstra from the forum, we kind of previewed the MIAA and specifically the Bearcats and, and uh, you know, some of the things, you know, that I said that, you know, may, did not come to pass. But overall, we look at this team. Offensively, the stats say we weren't as good of an offense um, as 2019. I will tell you, and I think just about every Bearcat fan I've talked to, definitely my group of friends, we all agree 100% this offense was a lot more efficient, um, maybe not as explosive at times, although certainly could be, um, you know, and, and I think I think this was just a better team, and I'm excited to see what Coach Todd Sturdy can do with the offense. But, you know, there's, there's a lot of criticisms on social media and other things. I'm not really going to talk a lot about that again because I like to stay positive. And, you know, I've said it before. I, I feel like I, I have a pretty, oh, I don't know how to say it, kind of, even keeled perspective of this team. You know, this uh, 20 years ago this year was the first time I sat down at Bearcat Stadium and I've watched multiple games every single year. I watched every down of football, even the games I couldn't go to. And honestly, that's the first time that's ever happened in my fandom of watching every single play all year long. 
I'm always going to just about every home game and several away trips and always, you know, in the, in the playoffs and things. But, you know, that was that was something. And, and I'll tell you what, I, I've gotten a lot of enjoyment out of this football season. And, um, you know, that that's really been special. I won't get too sappy. I'll probably get sappy at the end just to prepare you. But uh, but anyway, you know, people criticizing coaches, players, whatever, you know, somebody even questioning, um, you know, coach rights. Um, job, which I would question your sanity <laughs> at this point. I mean, come on, the guy is, in my opinion, the best defensive coach in Division Two, and a, a really great head coach. And I'm I'm proud that he is leading our program. And I think if you want improvement and things, okay, well, we didn't, you know, every, every season he's been the coach, we've improved, we've won an extra round in the playoffs. Okay, this year we didn't, but I tell you what, this was a better team than 2019 and we ran into Ferris State and obviously if this team wants to you know get to a national title game and get out of the region we're gonna have to beat them at some point okay we know that um you know but I think he's done a really great job and you know he again he's a guy I'm personally proud of to lead this football program and I don't know I, I think sometimes opinions like that right one or two people say something on social media and all of a sudden we attribute it to maybe hundreds of people or whatever. I don't really think that's the case. I think there's certainly a lot of criticisms of this team. And I think, well, yes, the fan base, myself included, we're all real spoiled. We absolutely are, you know, and I've jokingly, you know, blamed Mel for that. But, you know, let's be real, you know, bringing some of my perspective into this, you don't think Mel Churchma was criticized? Let me tell you, he was, because I was there. Um, and you know what? I probably criticized him a time or two. Now, you can criticize someone and not think that they're terrible or do a bad job or whatever. Um, you know, you don't think AD was criticized? Well, sure he was, especially before that first national title. And, you know, fairly widely criticized at times. You know, and, and you know, Rich Wright doesn't have that national title to kind of back that up yet. And... We don't know. You know, we don't know if he'll ever win one. I, I I, would bet on him, to be honest with you, but who knows? And, but but the the thing that it boils down to is, all right, we're one of eight teams that were left playing in Division Two of 170-whatever football programs there are in D2. You know, so 160-some programs wanted to be where we were. Again, it doesn't mean we have to be satisfied or happy with it, but I think... You know, this is a team in a season that we can all be proud of. So anyway, the rest of this is pretty much going to be positive, just so you know. Yeah, you know, I you know, I question things at times, and we all do. Emotions run high, whatever. That's fine. That's certainly all right. You know, if you want to look at it from, from a, uh, you know, a fan's perspective, you know, if you think about players that come into a program, right, and, and listen, you're you know, there's a reason we say once a Bearcat, always a Bearcat. But for those of us fans, right, that we're here, we're not involved with this program for four, five, six years, whatever. You know, we're involved forever. So we're invested. And I think it's okay that we all have opinions and we can all criticize and whatever. It doesn't mean we have to run everybody down or call for anybody's job. And again, I think for the most part, that's not happening a lot. But anyway, that's just my two cents worth. Um and, you know, I will continue to remain positive. That's that's kind of me. So not that I'll never have criticisms or anything like that, but um, 
you know, really the whole point of me doing this podcast is to be able to share my passion for, you know, Northwest Missouri State University football. And a loss isn't going to change that, you know, a, um, you know, or multiple losses, whatever. I'm just telling you, it's not going to change that. So anyway, I, uh, th- that's my piece. I'm just going to leave it at that. So uh, anyway, my Isaiah Nimmer's interview will be next. I just to tell you, you know, there's, you know, probably talking about maybe some the, the talking like the season's not quite over. This was recorded before the playoffs. I wanted to get all my player interviews done to not bother the guys if there were road trips and and things like that, which we knew there probably would be. Um, so anyway, there there's that one. And, and again, Matt Trenton, Devin Albertson, they'll be joining me. So uh, so let's get started, and I'll have some words. I have some kind of exciting news to share for you um, and kind of what the off-season holds for this podcast because I'm not going anywhere. You won't be hearing from me every week. But anyway, I'll talk more about that at the, at the end here of the program. I appreciate you listening. As always, let's take a time out. My interview with Isaiah Nimmers next here on Bleeding Green. Welcome back here on Bleeding Green. It's now time for this week's player interview, joined by number 21, senior defensive back in the third-team All-MIAA selection, Isaiah Nimmers. And Isaiah, man, thanks for uh, coming on the podcast with me. Oh, yeah, no problem. Glad to be here. Well, you're originally from Cedar Rapids and, and went to uh, to Washington High School there. And and, and Drew Dostal and you were, although what, he's a year younger than you. You guys were, were teammates up there, right? Yes, sir. Kind of grew up playing uh different sports together track football and uh baseball together growing up and how neat is that to get to now you know kind of playing the same defensive backfield in in college together uh it's pretty cool um it's kind of interesting because i don't think we really in high school like i was i was kind of a wide receiver and drew was a wide receiver so like i and i played db too and i think he played a little bit too but 
I think our main focus in high school was more the offensive side of the ball. So, uh, so like to get to college and we're both playing defense, it's just kind of interesting and cool to, you know, play with a former high school teammate. Sure, sure. Well, as as you were growing up, I mean, before you got into high school, did, was there a lot of different sports you played besides football growing up? Uh, yeah, um, I played a lot of baseball. Uh, when I was real young, played a little bit of basketball, not much. Um, uh, did a lot of track, ran the 400 hurdles in high school. Um, but uh, I would say track, track and football and baseball were my main main sports. Was was your first love always football, or did it kind of develop that way? Um, you could say that. I, I go back and forth when I was real young. Um, I liked baseball a lot, but as I got older, probably um, entering high school or probably sophomore year of high school is when I really knew that I wanted to play football at the next level, I would say. Well, you know, you mentioned you played wide receiver, played some D back, and you returned kicks as well. Did you did you have a favorite uh, position in in high school? Um, in high school, I would say probably I probably liked um, wide receiver more in high school. I, uh, I mean, just to have the ball in your hands all the time. Uh, it was just like at the time, I guess it was just a lot more fun, you know, um, scoring touchdowns and stuff like that. So I'd probably say wide receiver. Is there a, I don't know, as you look back on your high school days, is there a favorite game or a favorite play or memory that, that you have? Um, one that always comes up was probably, um, it was my sophomore year. Uh, it was my first year playing varsity. Um, we were playing Waterloo West, and I think it was like three or four minutes left in the game. And I, uh, I uh, had scored we're down by 14 points with three minutes left and I had scored two touchdowns in a matter of like three minutes, like to bring us back and win, uh, that game. And that was kind of like, I guess it was my sophomore year. And it was like one of the, it was an early game in the year. So it was kind of like when I started taking off with my football, I would say in high school. Okay, awesome. And as as you're graduating, what were uh, you know who who was recruiting you? And you obviously went to University of Northern Iowa. What what um, kind of you know what other schools w- were looking at you, and why did you ultimately choose you and I? Um, I would say uh, we'll just start off with who was recruiting me. Um, I remember my first offer being South Dakota. Um, I had pretty good handful of the schools in the MVC um in that conference the conference that you and I is in um I got heavily recruited by uh Northern Illinois um actually I kind of wanted to go there but um as I remember they offered me a gray shirt and that was like a that first semester like you're just a regular student and then I think you like joined the team in uh in the, in the spring semester. So I didn't want to do that, but the reason why I joined, um, you and I, for one, I guess it was close to home a little bit, but I liked the DB coach that was there at the time, Brandon Lynch. Uh, he's now with the, he's the DB coach for, uh, the Cleveland Browns now, but I would say that was the main factor of me going to you and I was, I, I had built up a good relationship with the DB coach at the time. Um, 
So, yeah, I would say that was probably the main reason why I picked you and I. And what was it like playing in a dome? You know, you don't get that much at the college level, and that's always something I found kind of interesting about them. What what Was that a, a weird thing, or was it just part of it? Um, I would say it wasn't weird for me. I would say because I, I mean, growing up, like everything, like big events and stuff were always at the dome. Like the state championship that we played in was at the dome. Track meets at the dome. It just kind of seemed like for whatever reason, we were always at the dome doing something. So um, when I look back, it kind of, it's kind of nice having it, you know, just weather wise when it gets late in the season, you don't have to play out in the cold. But there were those games where you kind of like, I wish you had like Saturday night lights or something like that. But other than that, I mean, it, it, it was good. And then best probably thing about it is the weather, like I said, being in Iowa, being cold at the end of the season. That's probably the best benefit out of it. Well, when, when you graduated from there and you had your, you know, extra year of eligibility, what, what other, you know, what other opportunities were you looking at and, and why ultimately did you make the decision to, to come to Northwest? Um, so to be honest, when I, when I hit the proto, I kind of knew right away that, uh, I wanted to, um, come to Northwest. I didn't really know. I knew Drew was here. Um, I kind of knew, uh, Trayvon was there. Um, I didn't really know any of the coaches, but I just always knew, like, back in high school, I think they didn't really recruit me heavy, but I always got, um, like, just, you know, the normal recruiting letters uh, that college teams send out. And I, I know I had looked them up and seen, like, their history and all the championships. So, like, I feel like they were always on my mind if I were to – transfer or if I were to go down a level that that's kind of where I wanted to be um so then I know I had a couple coaches at UNI that kind of helped me out with that too um they when I entered the portal they kind of just asked me where I kind of wanted to go and I told them if I if I were going to stay in the midwest uh I kind of wanted to be right go to northwest um it was either that and if it wasn't here then I was going to try to go down south uh as my family, they, I think three years now, they moved to Charlotte, North Carolina. So I was going to go try to be somewhere down there. But the only other offer I would say I had um true offer was Minnesota State. Um, I had a lot of interest from a lot of D2s that I guess I just didn't give the attention to because I kind of knew I wanted to go to Northwest. Um had a couple smaller FCS schools that were interested. Um, but other than that, I just kind of knew when I hit the portal that I, I kind of wanted to go to Northwest. And when I came on my visit um, and I watched practice and stuff, it, it was just kind of easy, easy pick for me. All right. Awesome. So what was your degree in at, uh, at UNI? And then what are, what are you uh, studying now here at Northwest? Um, so my degree at UNI graduated with a um, criminology degree. Um, I came here. Uh, I kind of wanted to finish my coaching minor. wasn't able to do that. Just, just didn't work out. So um, I am currently studying my major is uh, recreation, um, which is kind of hard because I'm only here for a semester. So it was kind of hard to, you know, truly find something I wanted to study for a semester and maybe like something that 
I could get a certificate for it or a master program or something like that because I'm only here for the semester. Sure. And then so so what's uh, you know, once the semester's over here and and, uh, you know, after uh, your your days at Northwest, you, you do you want to try to make it uh, make a go of it professionally or what are kind of your plans there? Uh, yeah, um, that's always been a goal of mine to, you know, make it to the next level. If it's not the NFL, the CFL or, you know, just some type of professional league or and if that doesn't work out, um, uh probably get into something to do with my criminology major um at my old school i mentored uh juvenile delinquents as like just a little side job during the season or out of the season too so getting back into doing something like that maybe like a probation officer or something like that but yeah those those are kind of my plans haven't really had a set in stone plan but either or Okay. All right. Cool. All right, Isaiah. So I, I have uh, six questions here at the end that I like to call the pick six to just kind of goofy uh, off the wall questions here. Are, are you ready? Yes, sir. All right. So first is, is the normal. I always start out with the first question. You have any pregame rituals or, or are you a superstitious guy where you got to do the same thing pregame? Um, I would say Probably the biggest pregame ritual is like I always have to. Nobody probably even notices or like um, even sees it, but like every single game, there's always like some type of different swag I have, whether it's um, wearing a bracelet or wearing different socks or wearing one sleeve or two sleeves. I just always feel like I can't go out with the exact same swag as the last game. Like I have to change up at least one thing. It's kind of I've been doing that since high school, which nobody I've never told nobody any told anybody that or I don't think anybody's even noticed, but just switching up a little bit and there might be something little, but just switching it up every game. All right, gotcha. Cool, cool. All right. Second question of the pick six. What's the funniest locker room prank you've either ever had pulled on you or uh, or seen somebody else? And of course, you know, we gotta keep it kind of friendly and don't want to get anybody in trouble but the the most friendly story you can <laughs> that you can tell anyway um uh, here at northwest or yeah or or you and i or even or in high school whatever and just what whatever one you want to tell that's safe to tell <laughs> i would say i know You and I, I know we used to always, um, so we'd get like a roll of tape and the way the lockers were set up, like you would, you would start the piece of tape from like the top and then like you basically just tape the person's whole locker and like they couldn't, they couldn't get into the locker and they had to take the time to, you know, rip off all the tape and sometimes they'd like wrap it around your helmet, like where your face mask is so you couldn't see anything and you're like your helmet, that'd probably be, probably be the funniest, I guess. Um, okay. uh, other than that, I don't really, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that, hey, that works for me. That works for me. <laughs> All right, uh, third question here, the pick six. Now, you, your brother's a, a pretty good athlete and baseball player out and out in the Carolinas now. Who who would you say is the better athlete, you or your brother? Uh, I would definitely probably go with me. Um, he'll tell you different, too. He'll tell you it's him. Um, 
<laughs> but I, I would have to say it was me. He's a pretty good baseball player, though. I'll give him that. He's probably better uh, at baseball than I was. But um, just overall athlete, I would, I would say me. All right, all right. To kind of piggyback off that fourth question is, who's got the better nickname, him or you? Um, I've heard his is the Golden Jet. <laughs> I would say I would probably say him. Uh, he's always been called No No since he was little. Um, uh, mine is a lot of like wait, mine is Zeke, which a lot of people I guess hear don't really know just because I haven't really like um, told a lot of people but just if you were to go back to my hometown or even at you and I a lot of people call me Z um, just kind of a weird nickname that I got when I was little but yeah probably him his name his nickname is uh, no no so where did, where did Zeke come from to kind of piggyback off that um so when it was like a little league um one of my friends, uh, his dad, he he was one of our baseball coaches, and it was just kind of random. He just started calling me Zeke. And then I think it really came from Isaiah Thomas, the, uh, the basketball player that used to um, play for the Pistons, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, they used to call him Zeke. And to be honest, I really don't know if he thought I looked like them or if it was just that my name was Isaiah and they called him Zeke. But that's where that came from, and ever since then, I guess everybody just started calling me Zeke. So, yeah, that's kind of where that came from. All right, nice. All right, fifth question of the pick six. What was the first concert you ever went to? First concert? Um, I'd probably say Waka Flocka. Um, he actually came to you and I uh, for a concert that he did Uh at you and I on the campus. So yeah, it's probably Walker Flocker. Okay. Last question is always the same. It's a little, also it's a little more on the serious side, but if, uh, you know, here after this, this season's over, whenever it ends, what's, what's something that you want people to remember about you? Um, I would say just the, I guess, uh, the type of person, I was uh, just a team-first type guy. Um, try to do anything for the team. Rather, it's, you know, here I play safety, I play corner, I played nickel, you know. Um, just being the team-first type of guy and just wanting to find a way for the team to win games, I would say. That's number 21, senior Isaiah Nimmers joining me. And, and it's really cool, you know, that this team – hasn't necessarily had a lot of um you know transfers on it and i'll talk more about this with matt trenton but the guys who have come in have have really fit in really well and i think you know that's you know coach Wright talked a lot about it with al mckeller but you know the guys who haven't gotten maybe enough credit are, are isaiah nimmers and dedrick strambler and i tell you what isaiah and dedrick's interviews are two of my very favorite ones dedrick specifically is kind of one um from a couple of weeks ago that if you didn't get a chance to listen to that one, I would highly encourage that. Um, you know, something I kind of didn't think to do <laughs> until the end of the season was a timestamp, uh, the different segments of the show, which is something I will continue to do going forward. Um, you know, once we return to next season where there are multiple guests on episodes, this off season will kind of, um, you know, return to that preseason format where it's myself and a guest. And I'll talk more about that at the end here, but, um, you know, 
that's been probably my favorite part of this whole thing has been the player interviews, and that is something I would 100% encourage you to go back and listen to them. Even, you know, if you, if you miss different podcasts and whatever, you don't want to go back and listen to, you know, a game, you know, the, you know, the, uh, the review of Central and previewing Central Oklahoma. Okay, I get that. You know, that stuff's not really that timely now, but you can definitely kind of go back and, and listen to those, and it's been a lot of fun. So I, I appreciate all of the players, um, you know, Colin McDonough, the SID at Northwest, has been uh, has been the man. I mean, he's been my, my main guy that I've gone to when I've needed. You know, I, I've tried to get as many of these interviews in the can, you know, so I so I wasn't doing it the week of. So, you know, there's a lot of these that got recorded prior, just like Isaiah's was before the playoffs started. But, um, you know, there were also weeks where I was kind of scrambling, and, and Colin was a big uh, – was a big ally for me and and uh yeah you know this like everything else on this podcast I couldn't do all of this myself so um you know I can't give enough credit to Northwest Athletic Department who really been really great you know Andy Peterson came on pretty early had coach Todd Sturdy on pretty early as well in this podcast and that's you know you know me I'm a I'm I'm just a guy right I'm just a guy sharing I'm just a fan sharing my passion so so that's been really appreciative let's take a time out we're going to come back Devin Albertson will be joining me next we'll talk um about this about the game we'll talk a little bit more about it about some different things Bearcat as well as um Emporia played in a bowl game last weekend as well and uh Adam Doral going to UCO. So I'll get his thoughts on that. All that coming up next here on Bleeding Green, Beers, Burgers, and Bearcat Football. Welcome back here on Bleeding Green and joined by MIAA columnist for D2Football.com for the last time this season in this calendar year, Devin Albertson. And Devin, man, I I appreciate you coming on uh, one last time. Uh, Unfortunately, it's one last time. The Bearcats, of course, losing losing up in Big Rapids to Ferris over the weekend. We got that, a few other things to talk about. But uh, um, overall, you know, it's disappointing. And obviously, you know, to see see a Bearcat team kind of handled at the line of scrimmage. But, um, you know, to put some kind of perspective and things on it, a, a pretty doggone good season overall. Yeah, for sure. Northwest, they were a good football team this year. They were arguably top five, if not better in the nation. They just ran to a really good Ferris State team. We saw that on Saturday. Uh, my biggest takeaway from this game was you're not going to win on the road, turning the ball over four times and losing the line of scrimmage. And that's what Northwest did. I was – Football can be a simple game sometimes, and that's what it was. Fair State, uh, I think I saw their left tackle was the Gene Upshaw Award winner, which was the best lineman in D2, and they absolutely own the line of scrimmage. You don't usually see that versus Northwest when they get their defensive line, but that's kind of what happened in that game. And um, give Fair State credit. They were early on against the running game, and Al McKellar did a great job of stringing him out, not letting him get up uh, north and south against their defensive line. And you make Al McKellar run sideline to sideline, it's, he's much easier to tackle than he's running downhill at your face kind of deal. So credit Ferris on that side of the ball. And the other side, they got to the edge against Northwest and did it multiple times, whether it was the running game or the play-action pass. They got their athletes out in space really well, and you got to give them credit for having a great game plan on this one. Um, I know for some in Bearcat Nation, the sky's kind of falling because another playoff loss. 
the Ferris State, the third one that Rich Rice had against them. But this Ferris State team, I said it on Twitter after the game, I think they're in the same kind of spot that Doral had Northwest back in 2015-16 where they're just kind of rolling. They're so good up front, and they're just so creative on offense. They're a tough team to beat on the road. I mean, um, even – I have a couple of stats here I want to kind of put in context of where Rich Wright and this program is compared to what it was with Adam Doral when he first took over. Doral only had four road playoff games in his tenure at Northwest. They were one and three in those games. And their one win – was an overtime win um, at Midwestern State in his first year. After that, he went 0-3 on the road after that first road win in the playoffs. Rich Wright, he's 2-4 on the road, including a win at Grand Valley and at Harding, two teams that were top 15, top 5 in the nation both those times. So he's got a couple of big road wins from Oakland as well. And I get it. The offense has to play better in these playoff games. They scored 18 against Ashland, 21 versus Ferris on 18. Only three against Ferris in 19 and scored 20 here versus Ferris. So the offense has to play better. But this is the first game you saw the defense not play up to the standard that Northwest plays at. And if there's any concern, it'd be that for me at this point because the defense usually allows the 20 to 30 points kind of deal. So even if your offense isn't playing well, you don't get blown out kind of deal in most scenarios. So that's where I'm at with this. I was more surprised at the defense not playing better than I was at the offense, what they kind of did. Because I expect them to get around 20 points in that area, the couple big plays they had, Braden Wright had a couple had a nice deep ball early, had the fourth and goal from the 20 where they converted kind of deal. So they made a couple plays there on offense. They just couldn't win in a shootout versus Ferris State. I didn't expect it to be a shootout, but it was in the end. Yeah, I don't think anybody did. I don't think any of us did. You know, you the the Bearcat defense kind of what, what you can bank on. And I think the 2011 playoff game at Pitt was the last time Northwest had given up 41 points period you know so yeah. so go back 10 years i mean that's um you know i mean everybody has a bad day unfortunately it was just kind of a bad day all around but boy you know you talk about ferris i mean you got to give them a ton of credit because it uh you know they, they were able to exploit some things i think you know i don't think coach anise maybe gets all the 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 credit you know a lot of us have a lot of different opinions of of uh you know ferris state and things but boy his x's and o's i mean he knew what we do well and then set them up to do, you know, kind of use that against us and, and negate, you know, what, what I think is probably the best defensive line in the country. It was, that was impressive what they were able to do. And, and although not the, not the end we all wanted, certainly not the end that, that, you know, coach Wright or any of the players and all of the great, you know, super seniors and seniors on this team wanted, but still, I mean, with, you know, some perspective, I think, you know, you, uh, you know, I, I think Northwest was definitely a top five team in the country. Um, unfortunately, you know, we have made, you know, one of the top, probably two teams in our region. Um, but you know, I mean, you know, I think those of us with some perspective and things know that what a, what a good season this was for the Bearcats. Yeah, for sure. I was here about Pitt State in 2011. That Pitt State team that scored 40 points on Northwest, 41 points, we don't win national championship that year. I mean, if you're going to split 40 points right defense, you first of all have a darn good offense. You have a lot of athletes. You have a very mobile, capable quarterback. And I thought Malik Mitchell, their backup quarterback, is probably better than 85, 90% of the starters in Division Two. That kid is good. Uh, I know Bernhardt's a stud for him who was injured in play. But Mitchell, there's nothing I saw in that game from him that didn't say that he would be one of, if not the best player um, in the MIAA. So, like, he's a fantastic player that I thought – played really well. He did things against Northwest defense they hadn't seen all year uh, because unlike T.J. Davis, he had a line and skill guys around him that excelled 
and you couldn't just focus on him. So I thought he was fantastic. I mean, a lot of great decisions. So Arizona State's really good. I mean, I said after the game, they're a fire-breathing dragon, and Northwest kind of got in front of that flame, and it didn't go well for them. Uh, but as you said, Harding was a top-five team in the nation. Northwest went on the road and beat them by 20. I mean, that's that's going to count for something there. Grand Valley State's in this region. You had four teams in the top eight in the nation in this region alone. To get out of this region, you're going to have to win a couple of tough games. Northwest won one. They couldn't get over the Ferris hump, but no one's getting over the Ferris State hump right now, really. I mean, Grand Valley struggled the past decade with them kind of deal. Uh, besides Bald Austin, the 2018 championship game, I mean, they're in that discussion for a top two team in the nation every year, and they're in it again this year. And that's just kind of testament to them. And it's something against Northwest. I mean, even in 2016 when they beat Ferris State, that Ferris State team was really darn good. And if Northwest did make a couple of key plays late, they might have lost that game indoors last season. I mean, Ferris State's been around here for five or six years now where they're where Northwest kind of was. I think they're a fantastic football team. They're still waiting for their first national championship. They might get it this year because they are that good. Yeah, well, and you, that's an interesting point about that 2016 game because it seems like I remember Coach DeWorld talking about after that game, he thought if they played 10 times that that maybe Northwest only wins twice or once out of 10 times. And, you know, we look at that 2016 team, I mean, statistically – they're probably the best Bearcat team of all time. I mean, it's, of course, there's a lot of subjective things we can all argue about, but you know, that that's as good of a team as we've ever had. And, you know, and, and, you know, that's how good Ferris was then. I mean, they got guys on the NFL, you know, they put guys in the NFL, everything else, but you know, and that, that was kind of the start of it for them and they've seemingly gotten better. Yeah. Northwest, the last two championship games, they've won 15 and 16. The semifinals were at home against West Georgia and Ferris. You played two excellent teams at Bearcat State. You have to go on the road to West Georgia or to Ferris State to beat those teams. That matters in Division Two. It just it really does that home field makes a difference. Northwest, I've said it for all year, they don't lose at home in the playoffs. When their losses come, it's on the road to other powerhouses in Division Two. And that's what happens when you play on the road in Division Two. That's why no one comes to Maryville and wins, because it's hard to beat that team at home. It's hard to win at Ferris State. It's hard to win even at Grand Valley, and Northwest did that two years ago. I mean, it's hard to go on the road and beat top-tier teams in the, in the in Division Two. So it's not a slight to say, hey, maybe if you want to say, if you don't lose to Washburn, maybe you're in the discussion for that one seat a little more. That's a, a legit question. But at this point, it is what it is. You get to go on the road to win these tough playoff games. And even – I didn't look back at Mel Churchman's history in the, in the road playoffs, but I don't think it's fantastic either. They're just – you just run to better teams sometimes. I know Northwest fans – and many who look outside the program think, well, they should win every year or be in the Final Four every year. It's not realistic here with being with the GLIAC in the same – they're two of the top three conferences in the nation along with the Gulf South in the same region. That's, it's only one team out of those two conferences gets to the semifinals. If it's better world, maybe the Northern Suns in there instead of the GLIAC and all of a sudden or the Yarmak and all of a sudden the MIAA, yeah, no question should get to the semifinals every year. But it's not the – with the regionalization, that's not the case right now. Even you see – the Northwest football team compared to the basketball team now, the men's team was down 10 points to Northern State in the regional final and came back to beat Northern State to meet to the lead eight, and then they went on their run kind of deal and destroyed everybody. But you have to get through some really good teams in the middle of the country here just to make the national semifinals. This isn't Division One where you have Alabama and Georgia make the national semifinals. It's hard to do that at this point. So that's just my kind of thought with everything is, it's not Division One where everything's national. It's a regional sport. You get to beat your region first. But if you play in the toughest region in the nation, it's tough to get out of it. That's that's my biggest thing with all of maybe the criticism around the program right now. Give it time. You saw Doral. They lost to um, 
Minnesota State one year. They lost to other teams in the playoffs here. They probably should have beat, but they didn't. They lost to Duluth one year by four. You see this happen in the playoffs where you just lose to good teams. It's it's not the end of the world. The world the sky isn't falling in Maryville. They're going to win 11, 12 games and be in the discussion for national championship every year because they're the, the coaching staff is that good. Now that Coach Sturdy has a good thing going there in the offense going forward. If they get healthy at quarterback, they're going to have to replace some good skill guys you see on the outside, but I think they can do that with the scheme they have coming back. So the future is still bright at Northwest. Everyone needs to just take a chill pill for a second after seeing everything online. And just I know maybe this sounds like some green glasses kind of go on, on here in the podcast, but things are going to be okay with Northwest. <laughs> but the sky isn't falling. They still have the best defensive coach in Division Two, in my opinion. They're going to have studs in the defensive line. They'll get things figured out. It doesn't Championships just don't just happen, all right? This, you have a little bit of luck that goes along with it. You saw Northwest. For years, they made five straight. The only one won. I mean, even that was with Mel Churchman, who invented football in 1994. I mean, <laughs> they take right. time for that championship. It doesn't just – because it's Northwest, you don't just win the championship. That's not how things work. People yeah. need to realize. Well, well and, and as fans, we, you know, we're not owed that or anything either. Um, but you know, that that's interesting. I don't know. You know, I think that, that if, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you know, I, I try to keep it fairly, uh, fairly upbeat and positive on here. And if anybody's wondering what we're talking about, there was some stuff on a fan page on, on Facebook, somebody maybe, you know, suggesting that maybe Rich Wright should be on the hot seat, which is absurd by the way, and, and just pure silliness. But, you know, you know, Devin and I, I can go back, you know, to my time, you know, when Mel was the coach and heck, when AD was the coach, I mean, those guys got criticized too. You know, there are, um, there are still people that go back and, and question play calls in some of those, um, you know, some of those national title games with, um, you know, with Xavier at running back or, you know, those first, first couple of years with, um, you know, with Coach Doral, there were a lot of people, you know, questioning that and things. And so even, you know, my point is even the great Mel Churchma, you know, faced criticism, believe it or not. You know, even though, you know, some of us with the green glasses think, oh, no, you know, he's like, you're right. He invented football in 1994 and he used his Jedi mind tricks and, you know, brought us three national championships and all that. Like, so that, you know. Those of us that have been around a while, I think, you know, just ha have a little bit more perspective on it. And yeah, I mean, it, it is what it is. You, you can, it's, it's frustrating in the moment. It sucks. <laughs> it sucked being there. I'm sure more so for the coaches and players than it did f for us fans. But um, in the grand scheme of things, we can kind of take a step back and say, you know, it's, we can be proud of this football team and, and the, the great season they've had. Yeah, for sure. And he, I was going to look back at Mel Churchman and kind of his time. I know it was, the program's at a different spot whenever he took over compared to where it is now, the expectations and everything like that. But you look, 96, he lost it on the road in the second round to Northern Colorado. Great team. 97, he lost at home to Northern Colorado in the second round. Um, 2000, lost at home to North Dakota. 2002, lost at home to Northern Colorado. I mean, 2004, lost at Pitt State 50-36. to I mean, you see these losses sometimes in the playoffs, and you kind of go back and look at, oh, yeah, that did kind of happen. Then Northwest went on their run where they went to the – uh, championship game in 05 where they had to go through everybody in the road kind of deal. And that was a, a glorious run for Northwest to make the championship game in 05 and really kind of springboard everything to what we know Northwest as now. And those are the national championship, just the expectations every year. But it just it takes a minute to get the right people in there. And I, and I know we had the perfect storm with Doral and Wright with one on offense, one on defense. I think with starting here now, you can see that kind of build. It's a slow burn to get the offense kind of set up to where it needs to go because it wasn't a bad spot for a couple of years. 
And part of that is on Rich not having the right guys as the offensive coordinator. He was trusting some people who didn't um, perform at the right level. And that's, and that's fine. Like, it happens. You learn from your mistakes. you got to give them time to fix it, too. It, it didn't just get fixed overnight or one off season or through a COVID year. We've never seen this before. Like, you don't know how to react to all this stuff going on here and how much they could be in the building and stuff like that. So just relax. Give it time. The offense is some good things this year. And Northwest – I've never seen a fan base get so mad after going on the road against the number one team in the nation with a backup quarterback at this point and lose and be like, well, we should have won this game. Guys, <laughs> like, I get Brayden Wright is a two-year starter, but he was the backup this year because Hohen C was the better player when healthy. You had your backup quarterback on the road, number one team in the nation, who was a favorite to get the championship game. You're Nine times out of ten, you're losing that game. Maybe you don't lose by 20. I think if Hohen C plays, this is a seven- to ten-point game, maybe. I think he gets a couple of those deep balls. Um, down the sideline, stuff like that, that Wright maybe missed, but maybe he's not as mobile as Wright was and then had a long run. So, like, things change with who's in the game kind of deal, but everyone just R-E-L-E-X, relax, as Roger said. I mean, just, gotta, just take it. It's fine. I get this looks bad on Saturday. I was frustrated watching the game, but you're playing Ferris State. Um, I'm sure the D-line has some ripped jerseys here from certain calls that weren't called there. I know Sam Roberts a couple times broke through the line. All of a sudden, he wasn't at the quarterback Kind of curious why, kind of deal. But it's what happens in Northwest. Um, I think they get a little faster at the defensive end spot. I thought they were had some good strength up front. They weren't quite as dominant at the edge as they were when they had two guys who were unicorns and Devons and Weidel. You can't expect those guys each and every year, but they didn't have the same dudes at the DN they had in the past. Kind of, they were at the tackle instead, which is fantastic still. But things just change over time, and I think in the college landscape we're in now, defense is fantastic but you still need to score 30-plus probably to win these big games versus other good teams. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well, let's uh, let's shift gears a bit here, Devin. I don't want to spend too much time on uh, on you know that that game other than we already have. Let's talk about the other – there was another MIAA team in action over the weekend, and and I'll, I'll be honest. Um, I asked you about it after we got done recording last week, but, hey, when does Emporia play their bowl game? And you're like, this weekend. I was like, oh, I – we probably should have talked about that because I have you on to talk MIAA, but it was a you know high scoring game, which you expect from Emporia, right? Who was just okay. I was a little bit, you know, I'm guessing other other teams kind of turned down their opportunities, but it was a good good one for Emporia, and uh, you know they take took on uh, Southeast Oklahoma State and and lost that game on a last second field goal, but you know good opportunity for, for really both teams, but especially a team like Emporia. Um, you know, to, to get some extra reps and practice and, you know, kind of experience the postseason that's not the playoffs. Yeah, I think Emporia State coming into the year, they thought they'd be anywhere from a three to four to eight win team. They finished uh, six and five, six and six after the bowl game loss. So I think they had a really good season. They had eight games this year, I believe, with the bowl game. What was a one score game? I mean, that's, that's a lot of one score games, a lot of uh, variety that can happen in those type of games here. And they had time to lose this one versus a good Southeast Oklahoma team. They're an awesome story as well because they were one and ten in 2019. They were a bad team in 2019. They went eight and three, nine and three this year. Now, I mean, that's a great turnaround for them as well. They were they're a team that beat Harding this year. I mean, they're they're a good football team. Not many teams can beat Harding kind of deal. They're the only team besides Northwest to do so this year. So they were a good football team. They lost to their rival there to miss the playoffs, where they would have been right in that Washburn contention for the playoffs. So both these teams were really good this year. Uh, I think Emporia. Had a couple of weird games, a lot of weird games, because every Emporia State game is weird, apparently. Um, but good for them. This is a, and as you said, there is an extra month of practice for your young kids. Give them some playing time, some extra reps with them, the coaching staff, and a game that 
kind of matters, but doesn't really matter. So you can take some chances as well and try some things that you probably wouldn't in a regular MIAA game. So I think it's a good experience for Emporia State. You've seen teams like Nebraska Kearney, uh, Emporia in the past, kind of use a, a bowl game like this to jumpstart the next season. Even with a loss, I think this extra practice time puts them in good position in 2022 to do some good things there in Emporia. Yeah, well, they definitely could score points, but you know, defense is kind of, kind of their question. Kind of like the same, although they, you know, were were down a few notches from Carney, but kind of the same thing, you know, that we talked about with them, and and uh, you know that that's going to be interesting. Well, well, speaking of MIAA and changes and things, you know, the other thing we found out was Coach Adam Durall returning to the MIAA, um, and going to UCO to become their head coach. Which I'll be honest with you, Devin, when that was suggested on the D two message board here. I don't know, you know, as soon as Coach Bobick was let go or resigned or whatever happened there, um, I laughed. I basically scoffed at all those people. And I didn't really post about it or anything, but I was talking to some friends like, yeah, there's no way. There's no way that it happens. Well, I guess it shows how much I know. Yeah, absolutely. And my thing was I didn't know if UCO could afford him at this point kind of deal because Doral was making a pretty sunny there at Abilene Christian. I thought – he would get maybe more as a D1 assistant as a, either a position coach or an offensive coordinator kind of going somewhere D1 and FCS, maybe trying to get a job there, then trying to use that to stay in the FCS level. Um, but I think, I think UCO paid out pretty well. And if they, and they put some money in that program here recently, they're doing some stadium upgrades and um, Central Oklahoma is kind of a team that everyone around the MIAA kind of looks at as a sleeping giant kind of deal because they had the facilities. They got the, the booster support there. We see that with the facility upgrades. Uh, here recently that they want to win down there and they're in a really good area. Um, I think right outside of Oklahoma city, kind of a suburb of that where they have, you're close to a big city. You got some good weather down there. And we saw in Florida state for a few years there, back when Northwest doing their run with Adam Doral had some good athletes. They were recruiting Oklahoma hard in that time. They had a lot of Oklahoma kids who were special athletes there. If they can keep those kids at home now in Edmond, they could do some special things here in the MIAA. I think they're going to kind of jump up there, and I think Pitt State's heading in the right direction. I think Northwest is still the standard in the MIAA. But if you have Northwest, Pitt State keeps improving. Washington will always be in the kind of discussion. We'll see what Western and Boria kind of deal. But if UCO can jump into that top three and make some noise, they could possibly be a playoff team in 2022 or 2023, depending on how fast Doral can kind of get his culture and his system kind of implemented down there. I think that program just needs a shot in the – Something the arm kind of deal with some adrenaline, and he's going to bring that. There's going to be no nonsense at UCO. They're going to be a good football team here in the future uh, there for the Broncos. Well, and definitely some talent, you know, too, on there. You know, we've talked about it, you know, throughout the season and things with, you know, Coach Bobick. He would have a, a good season or two and then maybe down a season or two and kind of back and forth. And even this year, you know, they they lose to to Southern, but then, you know, they, <laughs> they you know, played some really tough games and, and, uh, you know, play, played some people close and, you know, and, and, you know, finished what I think four and seven, five and six, something like that. And they, um, you know, and so, I mean, there's some talent and things there. It's, and you know, we know coach Doral can, can coach the offense. Um, it'll, it'll be interesting to see, you know, that, you know, the, the financials, if we ever find them out, maybe we don't, I don't know. will be, that's the kind of the interesting one to me. Yeah. I believe they're a public university, so I might have to, looking for that in 2022 to kind of see what they kind of come out to see if they have the updated ones. Cause like you can see what rich Wright makes or what Sabota makes at East central Missouri. And I have, I've looked it up kind of deal. And I would guess at least 150 would probably be the, the minimum that UCO had to pay to get him in there. One, between 150 and 200 would be my guess. 
uh, a year to kind of get him in there. So we'll kind of see what the actual numbers come out to, but they want to win. You got to pay sometimes. And I think they have a really good kind of foundation there with Adam Doral coming in that they could definitely win. And if you're Northwest, you got to keep up what you're doing because, um, you know, Doral, whenever he's played Northwest, he's going to want to win that game even extra more. We've seen UCO give Northwest trouble in the past kind of deal, even without that extra kind of motivation. Even this year, it was 7 nothing late in the first first half there before Northwest did a Hail Mary before halftime. They were in that game. UCO has either been one or two things with Northwest, either a really close, stubborn type of football game or Northwest blows them out. There's like no in-between there. Um, so maybe UCO has more and more of those, we're going to be a thorn in your side for 60 minutes kind of deal kind of games here early on. And then maybe in a couple of years, they're continuing with Northwest and Pitt State and teams like that for MIAA Conference Championships, which is kind of Doral's standards there at Northwest. Yeah. Well, and it'll be interesting to see kind of who is who he fills out with his staff. Um, yes, I agree. You know, and, and, and to see, you know, I mean, he, he, he needs to find his rich right. Um, you know, I don't think he finds a rich right, but, you know, he's got to find somebody. And I think maybe that was the thing that kind of held him back at, at Abilene Christian, among other things. Because that's the thing. I mean, we know he can you know, he can, uh, you know, take a Cadillac and make it into a Lamborghini. Can he, can he rebuild a program is the question. I think those of us, right. Those of us Northwest fans, I mean, we've seen what he can do. I think there's probably no question in most of our minds, but that's, that's just the interesting thing to see. And the, and the cupboard's not bare, you know, and they're pumping in all kinds of resources and everything else going to have them a new stadium and all that down there. So it's, uh, I think it's made a bunch of us Northwest fans a little bit uneasy, maybe. Yeah, you've seen UCO. They, I look at their um, their history here. They have three eight win seasons since joining the MIAA, and one in 2014 and 2017, 2018. So they've been a really solid team in the conference here recently. And I think with Doral there, as much I think Bobic was a good coach there for him, but I think Doral's just a he's a different level coach kind of deal for him. Um, so I think they could be a team that could definitely jump up there, and we'll see what they can kind of do in the MIAA um, going forward with it. They might not be able to do it in 2022 just because there is still a talent gap there. Um, with what they're at, what they need to be to compete in the MIAA for a conference championship. Uh, but that doesn't mean they won't be a very hard team to play kind of deal going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Devin, man, I, I appreciate you. I've appreciated you all season uh, coming on with me and, and chatting and talking some MIAA, talking some Bearcat football, and and uh, it's gonna it's gonna do it for uh, for the season anyway. And we'll uh, we'll probably talk again next fall, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me on here. Everybody, make sure you guys stay tuned in the podcast. I think Matt's going to have some really cool guests here in the off season. Uh, they can help you get through basketball season, even though some people joke, including myself at Northwest, is a basketball school now. It's still a football school. We just like to joke with the basketball team having success they're having. So, I mean, it's a fun time at Northwest. I mean, I think I saw a graphic today where cross country, women's volleyball, women's soccer, and football all made the Division II playoffs in some form or fashion. Um, the girls' basketball team, 6-1, and 7-1 and one right now. They're playing really well. We'll see how they kind of end in the Northwest men's team. Everyone knows how good they are. So it's a good time to be a Bearcat there on campus. A lot of good athletics going on. So hope everybody enjoys that and doesn't take it for granted because success like this at the university across the athletic department doesn't happen everywhere. So enjoy it. Have fun. Root for the kids. And um, that's all I really got for you. Thank you for having me on the show this year.
Welcome back here on Bleeding Green and happy to be joined now by the color analyst on the Bearcat Radio Network. Also works up at KXCV in Maryville, my good buddy Matt Trenton. And Matt, you know, we started uh, I started the season by having you on for a season preview. I thought it was fitting to have you on here just to kind of talk a little bit about the season. And, and uh, you know, it's it's it was a it was a heck of a ride for sure. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Matt. I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, yeah, it was one of those that, you know, we're coming off of a year we didn't have football at all after a pandemic and everything in 2020. So to get to this point and, you know, unfortunately, week two was wiped out with Lincoln. And it would have been nice to have another home game just in the regular season there. But, uh, you know, to see this team still get to 11 and two, win a conference title, a couple of playoff games. Um, and of course, it's kind of wait and see now as we're, uh, you know, heading into the semifinal round for the Division Two playoffs. But I think, you know, Northwest lost to a very, very good team in Ferris State that has a chance to go on and win a national championship. So, you know, came up a little bit short of what those hopes were overall. But uh, you know what? A fantastic season and a lot of fun to at least have Bearcat football back. Yeah, well, and it was funny just how how little – I guess was known, right? We had the layoff and, you know, we thought we knew how things were going to look, but, but we weren't really sure. And as I, as I went back and, and, uh, this week here and, and listened to that, that season preview episode really to see, <laughs> to kind of see what I got so wrong, but you know, there was, there was a, there was a lot of, uh, a lot, just so many unknowns and it was, uh, you know, we didn't know. And then, you know, that first game of the season, it, it, it wasn't a flashy win. It wasn't a sexy win, against Fort Hayes and you know we certainly didn't know Hayes you know was was going to finish the season with a losing record at that point but um you know it it, it that wasn't indicative really of, of what we saw and, and you know this team you know got better and and uh it was uh, it, it was just so crazy though you know when you when you talk about you know at the beginning of this season the the team's pick to finish second and third in the coaches and media polls you know neither one would have a winning record in Hayes and Central it was it was just kind of a crazy year. Yeah, it really was. And, you know, you're coming off 2019, the Bearcats are 12 and two, and they end up, you know, making it to Ferris State and falling in that matchup with the playoffs again. That's hard to expect them to turn around and say, okay, well, uh, just forget that the previous 365 days happened and go ahead and dive right back in. You know, it's going to be a bit of a slow go for everybody kind of get getting back in and getting you back up to game speed and everything that goes along with it. So, you know, you think about teams like, um, Fort Hayes in Central Missouri, I think Hayes just, you know, never quite got themselves up to what they should have been. And Central Missouri, you know, you didn't have Brooke Bulls back there at quarterback, a few other guys missing, um, you know, a tight end that went on to making push to play in the NFL and, and some others. I mean, they're a team that wasn't going to, you know, step up and really compete for the conference title anyway, even though they had some high hopes on them. Um, but way Northwest, you know, you start out with a grinded out win, you go whip Central Missouri. You take down Central Oklahoma by 38 points here at home, and the football team, you could tell, was felt like they were getting into a stride despite, you know, that whole time. Mike Coency's playing quarterback from weeks, you know, what, two through seven or eight with, you know, a couple bum ankles and, you know, battling through that. And, you know, even despite all that and, and through that first loss against Washburn, they kind of turned things around that game against Northeastern State and found, really hit the ground running looked like they were fully healthy and um, really took it to some teams all the way through, you know, that uh, second round matchup against Harding. So, you know, I think the, what everybody went through and, and just the circumstances, you couldn't have the, you sh we shouldn't have, even though we did, we should have expected them to come out and play at such a high level so quickly 
after having a year completely off. But I do think that it did start to feel like some of those old Bearcat playoff teams, once we saw them get themselves healthy and back into the stride, you know, it took some time, I think, offensively for Todd Sturdy to, you know, play calling with this group. It's different going from practice to being an actual game with them, too. And I think um, he really ran it in form, too, and, and had a great season. So, um, you know, I think this is one, knock on wood, that we avoid any 2020-type uh, mishaps and, you know, don't have a season canceled. But this would be a, a season that the Bearcats can really build off of and, and hit the ground running once 2022 rolls around. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, and you, you, you talk about, you know, we had a, you know, Braden Wright, coming back as you know third year as a starter big things expected to him of him and and he you know made plays when he needed to against Hayes but you know he you know wasn't a world beater but neither was the whole offense really the the one thing in you know and then, and then of course he has that an unfortunate injury and you have Mike Hoensey come in and and good grief you know he proves that he's um, you know, just an amazing, accurate passer. And, you know, even on weeks he didn't practice, you know, we kind of fought through that in the middle of the season and, you know, a, a come from behind victory against Pitt and that loss. To me, the loss to Washburn and Topeka was really kind of a turning point. And I know coaches has, has talked about it at the time and since then that the team had to go into playoff mode, but they did. And it's like this team, you know, really kind of found another gear. And, uh, you know, just absolutely destroy Nebraska Kearney at Bearcat Stadium and just, you know, like you said, just got into form and, and kind of put in an overdrive. And it was it was pedal to the metal, um, you know, all the way in into the playoffs. Yeah, coming off the loss, you go around and you, you go to Tahlequah and, you know, it doesn't really matter who they're playing prior to that one. They're going to go beat Northeastern State, but a 59 to 7 win. And then you turn around, it's like, OK, it's homecoming. It's Nebraska Kearney. Um, the Bearcats already have one loss and people are freaking out about that a little bit. And I think that there's probably, um, some talk around Carney, Nebraska going into that week of, well, we're going to beat the Bearcats and win the conference. And, um, I think they felt pretty good about themselves of what they could come in and do. And yeah, that loss to Washburn refocused this team and gave them an even greater edge. than They would have had already going into a homecoming matchup with UNK to where, boy 66 to 13 against the team at 17th in the country and also made the second round of the, the division two playoffs uh, that says a lot right there about you know what northwest was bringing to the table and heck tj davis over there the harlan hill finalist and he was limited uh, throughout that entire football game so um yeah i mean that, i think that speaks volumes to, to what this team did and what they were capable of when they were really rolling um, as they got this season going but yeah and it, it was it was fun to see Mike Hoensey come out there and battle through injury, then get healthy and really what he was capable of. And then you go back through to the end of the regular season, uh, brain Wright um, didn't play against the Portia state. I don't think he got any snaps in that football game. Maybe he had a kneel down at the end of the game, but no, no passing attempts comes back out against central Washington. Didn't, didn't play for the first, you know, however many drives until Hoensey went down. And then all of a sudden it's all right, Braden, here's the keys to the car. And he took off and he put up 50 points in that game against Central Washington. He leads you to a win over Harding with, um, you know, a really strong second half and even capping the first half with a good drive. And um, unfortunately, we didn't get to see Mike come out and play in those last two games. But I think it was good to see for Braden. It had to be nice for him to be able to come back out and finish the season strong. And the adversity that he went through throughout that year, um, you know, I, I know he has plenty of critics around the Northwest fan base, but a solid kid and how can you not just admire the toughness and the grit of a guy like that to be able to 
push through and get back out there after what he went through and then to go out and win some football games too. Well, sure. And, and, you know, with him, I, I think at the time, you know, he had said, you know, I'll, I'll be back, you know, for, you know, in, in six weeks or whatever it was. And I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, I don't know that, that I've said it on here, but I said it to friends. I was like, there's no way there, there's no, you know, with that surgery and everything else that he had, he, that he's not going to be back this season. And boy, you know, he certainly proved me wrong. And that's the thing. I mean, you know, I think you really have have to respect his toughness. I mean, did he play the way any of us that he wanted to against Ferris? No, the whole team didn't, obviously, you know, um, you know, he's, he's an easy, easy target at times, but, um, you know, and, and, you know, that was definitely a team loss though. But yeah, I mean, just, just that part of it, um, you know, regardless of, of, you know, if, if you think he's the best quarterback or whatever, you, you've definitely got to admire him. Oh, I, I think so. 100%. Um, and I agree. I was kind of with you too. When you kind of first hear um, what he went through that it's like, you know, maybe from a personal safety standpoint, even maybe it's not a good idea to come back, but yeah, once he got the green light um, and had the chance, he was pushing to get himself back ready, back in condition. Um, by all accounts, he was still great in the locker room and, and in the quarterback room of, you know, Mike, Mike Owens, he's starting and I'm going to be there to support him, but ready when my number is called. And, and he certainly was, um, and then, you know, you mentioned Ferris State, how that game doesn't go the way you want it to. And obviously you want to see Northwest win, but um, I think that's one too where I think you have to credit Ferris because they also give out scholarships and they also have some pretty good coaches over there and some really good athletes. And, you know, when it comes right down to it, sometimes you just beat on the other side. And, and that's what happened in that football game. But I have uh, no doubt in my mind that Northwest will be back and ready to go um, next year and, Ferris will be in a very similar position. So we might be heading back up to Grand Rapids for another region championship rematch, or maybe we'll have that back down here in Maryville. But I think that that'll be uh, another game to watch out for when we get to the playoffs next year. Yeah. Well, it's tough when you have, you know, one of the two, three best teams, um, you know, in, in your region, when I think, you know, I would say pretty confidently Northwest is a top five team. And I, I, I feel like I can make a pretty good argument that maybe we're the third best team, um, you know, behind behind Ferris and probably Valdosta, um, you know, I think maybe we play anybody else in the last eight besides those two teams, and and you'd figure, you know, the Bearcats are favored. And so while it's tough, and and you know, emotions and things run high from a fan's perspective, and things after after that loss. I mean, if you know, kind of you know, take a step back and and look look over the course of the season, and and you know, you talk you talk about the different things that have happened, and and you know, this is the first the things I look for, I guess, are improvement, right? And, and statistically, you know, I, I was, lo- I was kind of looking at the season statistics and things for the offense, just averages and statistically our offense was not as prolific, I guess, if, if you want to call it that as in, uh, as in 2019, but from the eye test, I don't know that I haven't talked to anybody that doesn't think our offense was better this year than it was in 2019. Um, the defense is what the defense is, right? Elite arguably the best in the country and uh you know it's is just so many great seniors and things on this on this team and everything but so many good young guys i think you know if you're looking for improvement you know and we've kind of seen it every year of rich Wright's tenure. you know this year's the first outright miaa championship and okay you know we had a, a win less we play lincoln let's be honest we end up with 12 wins, 12 wins again but uh, you know i think there, there's a whole lot of reasons to be um you know, to be 
hopeful and optimistic as a Bearcat fan, certainly, that we'll be right back there, you know, contending for a national championship again next year. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, with the amount of talent that is on both sides of the football, I think there's a lot of good seniors that are going to be uh, on their way out um, that left it all out there, but it was good to see them in with that outright conference title, as you mentioned. But, you know, I think that's one thing that, you know, Rich Wright's not the head coach at Northwest Missouri State if he doesn't want those expectations. If he doesn't want that put on his shoulders of um, wanting to come out here and be expected to win a national championship every year. And I, and we are very spoiled, and um, I think those are unrealistic expectations that, that we put on them. But you know what? That's something that he embraces every single year. And so we'll, we'll, we'll see some guys that will be uh, gone from this team next year, guys like you know, you think on the up front, both sides, you know, whether it's Tanner Owen or Sam Roberts or, you know, Al McKellar in the backfield, a whole host of really good receivers. Um, it'll be tough to not see those guys, but it opens up spots for other guys to come in and shine and um, make their mark on Bearcat football. And, and I have no doubt with the way they've recruited, they'll be, you know, right back in a similar situation uh, come next fall. Well, and you talk about a guy like Al McKellar, who's kind of a late addition in as I, as I was listening to our season preview, it, it struck me, and I've remembered this all season, I think that one of the comments I made is, you know, we had him, Devontae Green, you know, Robert Rawi, who, who you know, didn't feature as much, but obviously, you know, we got a lot of talent at running back, but I was like, well, you know, the, and nowadays you don't have, you know, your bell cow running backs and things like that. Boy, they proved me wrong. And, and absolutely, you know, it's, it's, you know, get into the season. It's like, my goodness, give, <laughs> give Al as many carries as we can. You know, he ended up with the sixth best, um, you know, rushing total in, uh, in Northwest history and a couple of less games than some of the other guys ahead of him got him in. I mean, he was, you know, such a special player. And not only that, you know, the thing I think we've seen is, you know, maybe we had some more, some, some additional transfers, you know, you throw Isaiah Nimmers in there. Dedrick Strambler, both both starters um, in the secondary, you know, they're all high character guys. It's not just about getting talented transfers in. There's lots of talented guys, you know, that that you can bring in. But I think that's something really important to Coach Wright. And you know, especially about Al, you know, I I didn't hear anybody say anything bad about the guy. As far as you know, his he was a leader in the locker room and and just a just a really good guy and, and fit in really well with this team besides being an amazing talent yeah and i think that uh and you just don't know a late ad like that of you you have high hopes for him and he stepped in and, and able to fill those both on the field and off the field and you know it is kind of just you know you have to trust yourself as you go through and you do the recruiting process you talk to those around him of making sure we're getting in the right guys for what we need, especially coming off a random, a weird year like we had last year. And so, you know, seeing those guys coming in for one year, like a, a McKellar or a Nimmers and a Strambler, um, and trusting that you did your due diligence, that they're going to be a good fit. And, and this coaching staff did exactly that. All those guys were fantastic for this program on and off the field. Um, you know, I know one that uh, you had the chance to talk to, and we've had on our shows, Dedrick Strambler. I mean, um, one of my favorite guys after watching this year, just because he was in it and emotional and a hard hitter and a player that loved to be out there. Um, but also just, you know, not even 12 months, I don't think in Maryville probably, but yet he really embraced uh, the culture around Bearcat football and the community and everyone embraced him right back. And so it's been kind of fun to watch guys like that as they've, you know, Hey, you're only here for one season of football, but you become a Bearcat for life. And so, you know, will there be guys coming in like that next year? 
who knows what the transfer transfer portal is going to be like because it's been a little bit uh, crazy in all sports it seems like lately. But uh, at the rate they're going with the way they found some of these athletes, um, it does make it exciting and it makes you feel better too that there can be some role models that um, you know your kids can look up to that are homegrown, but also the ones that you bring in for just a couple of years on the transfer side. Yeah, well, and you know, even guys, you know, you saw guys that kind of you know, we're biding their time like a Noah Williams, like a, like a Drew Dostal. I mean, my goodness, when Drew came in the second half of the season, kind of after that Washburn game, I think, and allowing Isaiah Nimbers to move to corner, I've beat that horse to death <laughs> on this podcast. I think that really made the difference of, uh, you know, in, in our secondary um, as far as solidifying things. And, you know, just it's so neat to hear those stories and obviously you know you've got your you know sam roberts and those guys at jackson barnes right a guy who goes from a walk-on to a captain to an all miaa first team player um and all of those things you know and alec tatum whose family was here uh, you know even guys like caden davis and monty donadell who you know came in as junior college transfers were here a couple of years and and uh you know so many guys who could just go on and on but it was really neat to see you know see those guys um contribute and and it's always fun you know we, we have transfers, but a lot of guys stick around for five or, or with COVID six plus years. And, and uh, it's just always fun to see them, uh, you know, see them develop and, and perform at a high level. Yeah. The coaching staff at, at Northwest Missouri state does a good job. I think of, you know, bringing them all in, making them feel at home and, and um, throwing them right in and say, Hey, this is how we work. You know, that, that foundation that Mel Church will build that uh, that's grown and, and continue to be stacked upon. Now as we reach, uh, the Rich Wright era, that um, high expectations on and off the field, and, and those guys come in and, and they get right to work. And honestly, if they don't, then they won't see the field. But all those guys you mentioned, too, that are stepping out there, making those contributions, even guys that kind of bide their time and wait. Um, you know, I remember Drew Dostal backing up Blake Bayer back in 2019 and thinking, you know, he might, this kid might be pretty good too when he gets a shot. And starting out as a reserve, but eventually earning that starting role and, and really making that big impact right away. It's, uh, they get these guys to buy in, they go to work and, and they make that impact. So it's, it's been a lot of fun to watch. And so, you know, there's some young guys coming up. I expect Isaac Bolstead to be an all MIAA linebacker come 2022, but there's also some guys that are kind of lurking in the shadows, just waiting for that chance that they're going to break out here at some point, whether that's, you know, in the receiving core with quite a few guys, you know, leaving or it's coming to be in the secondary or where, but um, there's going to be some opportunities there for some guys to step up and take them. Well, and we, you know, we even saw some true freshmen play early in the season. And, you know, a guy like Jaden Brady from Savannah, who got some time at running back, you know, caught a touchdown in the Pitt State game, um, you know, and, and a guy, you know, Josh Turner, a corner who was kind of forced into, you know, Khalil Smith having some injuries who, oh, by the way, he was just a redshirt freshman and first team all MIAA guy. And, uh, you know, I mean, you know, the, the running back, position i mean you know al gets all the headlines and of course Devonte green got hurt and you have a guy like jamar moya who's kind of you know i think you've dubbed him the swiss army knife um you know f of, of the bearcats for sure and other guys um you know really really deep at running back and you know we you know going to return three of the offensive linemen you know i mean you lose a couple of big seniors but you know there's a lot of key positions on this team you know, as you look, we had a lot of young guys play. I mean, all of the seniors pretty much contributed. Um, but, you know, there's there's a lot of freshmen and sophomores on this team, and it's going to be kind of fun to see, you know, as we as we go through the spring and go through next summer and fall camp and things and see where we end up, you know, uh, next fall. 
Yeah, and I think that's one thing, too, that the Bearcats took advantage of. You know what? COVID-19, pandemic, we've got a lost year. And at the time, you didn't know it was completely lost. They kept, you know, pushing to have some games or scrimmages with, you know, a couple different schools. But those kind of fell through, too, until, you know, a little bit late in the spring. Um, but with that entire wiped out fall, I mean, they kept guys around and kept practicing for the chance to ha- to be able to get out there and actually have an actual game. And unfortunately, it didn't happen. But um you know, I think these guys that stuck around, um, they put in a lot of work to where, hey, you're an underclassman. You might be a freshman. You might be a sophomore. But we're going to do our best to have you ready to go and on the football field if you're going to you know, give yourself that chance. So um, you have to credit guys like Joe Quinlan for getting everybody ready in, in that uh, that weight room. But then um, all the players that have kind of stepped up and stuck around and did their best to get themselves into shape physically and mentally to be able to go out there and represent for Northwest. So, um, yeah, you're 100% right. A lot of young guys came up and, and made an impact for this Bearcat football team. And so now it's where do we go from here? And and how what's the pipeline going to look like, too? If you're a guy that's signing and coming in in this recruiting class that's going to be signed, you know, this upcoming spring in your early 2022, how do you find a path to get yourself onto the football field? Because – you know, things are going to be a little bit different for the next few years with, you know, some other guys hanging around because of the pandemic. And um, so it was kind of a dog eat dog world to get that playing time. Now it becomes a little bit more intense, a little bit more crazy to try to find a path to get yourself onto the field. But, you know, with what we've seen from the underclassmen already, um, there's that drive to get in there and be great and uh, represent the football program well. And, and I think we're off to a good start. Yeah, well, and, and, and no disrespect to these guys that I didn't mention that are coming back, uh, Sam Phillips, Zach Howard, um, Elijah Green, you know, who, who was kind of, you know, I remember you talking about him on the season preview, Elijah kind of playing his way into that starting lineup and had him, you know, had himself a heck of a season. And, uh, you know, I, I have a soft spot for, for big guys wearing numbers and him, you know, switching to number two at the end of the season. I kind of get a kick out of that. So, uh, um you know, and, 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 and lots of other guys, you know, the, the, of course the team's not perfect, right. You know, I'm sure special teams will, uh, will definitely be looked at in this, uh, in this off season and some other things, but, um, a lot of youth and man, uh, overall, I think when we, we take a step back and the emotions of the disappointing loss, you know, of last weekend and everything kind of subside, it's, it was a, uh, a heck of a season and Hey, you know, we're Northwest and, and the future is bright. Yeah, I think that's the that's what you have to take away from it is, uh, you know, you made a run to the region championship, you won an outright conference title, and um, again, I, I know I've talked about this with John Coffey a lot, and he, he brings it up quite often that uh, not only teams around the country have that expectation of getting to the promised land every single year, not many have the chance to be disappointed by losing in the region championship every year, but you know, an eleven to two season, you get to this point, you win a conference title. Um, you're the furthest MIAA team still left standing. I mean, um, there's still a lot of good to come away from this season, um, especially once we get further away from it. You can appreciate it more and more. So, you know, you threw out some names right there of, you know, Zach Howard, Elijah Green on that defensive line. You know, Tyler Miller's another one that's going to be a mm-hmm. junior next year that, that played really well and some spare, uh, some minutes there whenever Northwest needed someone to step up. And Noah Williams was hurt. Um, Sam Phillips coming back too. So, a lot of playmakers. This program is going to be just fine. And, and I think it's going to be um, very good once again. And, 
you know what, we're going to come back around in August next year, and Northwest is going to be number one in the preseason polls, the MIAA, and they say, all right, here we go. You know, let's kick it off again. So the expectations will be high, but why not? I mean, they've been the best around the MIAA and, and one of the best in the country for a whole long time, and I don't think it's going to change anytime soon. Yeah. Well, again, you know, make it to the quarterfinals. You're one of the eight best teams in the country, and, you know, you've got 160-some or whatever it is, you know, D2 teams looking up at you. Um, wishing they were in that spot. So um, it's not to say, you know, we have to be satisfied with that. I guarantee the coaching staff and then the players, um, the seniors and the ones coming back are not, but it doesn't mean that you can't be proud and, and can't look back on it as a overall a successful season. So, Yeah, definitely. Um, I, you know this stings. I mean, you know, we got on the plane ride the way home and got to see these guys, and it was – evident that nobody's happy about it you know um and i know that there are certain folks out there too that will you know put their stuff on social media and voice that disappointment and 100 percent understand that too but i think this is a great group of guys that are shooting up it's a fantastic coaching staff and, and they've got a lot of good things going for them and it's one of those that's uh we need to appreciate what we have because yeah i mean we are living through the golden era of Northwest Missouri State football. I mean, think about Nebraska Cornhusker football and how much that got taken for granted at times if you wouldn't win a national championship. And now all of a sudden they're struggling just to find a bowl game at some point, you know, with uh, Coach Frost up there. So I think we need to be pretty proud of what we have here at Northwest Missouri State and, uh, you know, always look forward to what's next because this team's going to come back around and be very good once again. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Matt, buddy, as always, I appreciate you, and I look forward to talking to you again. Maybe, um, you know, talk to you in the off season. You know, signing day will, will be a big time. And and uh, one thing, though, of course, uh, you know, I've talked about it, and I've had you on before. I uh, usually always share it, and I'll always check it out. Bearcat Rewind is, uh, you know, great podcast that you and John do, and uh, you know, so what what's the best way for for folks to listen to that if they they or needing some more uh, some more Bearcat content. Yeah, you can find Bearcat Rewind. Um, just search for it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio Podcast. Um, it's also on the front page of our Bearcat Public Media app, which is through KXCV, KRNW. So, um, or just go to KXCV.org. There's a link to it there. But, you know, we kind of go through and we'll touch on some football stuff and look some similar stuff that you'll have at times. But, um, but also, you know, to kind of take a different direction. I know we've had some, some different stuff for volleyball, basketball, and other Northwest sports around too. So, you know, kind of um, goes in well. We're, our, our podcasts are nice compliments to each other there. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's all about Northwest Missouri State, and, and it's a whole lot of fun. So, there's no other better, no better athletic department that, to uh, to be able to do it with here. You know, where there's any MIAA or around the country. So, um, we're blessed to have the Bearcats. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well, I appreciate you. You've been a big influence on me and helping me kind of get this thing off the ground and, and you know, definitely share, um, you know, share in, in some of the success I've had. I, I appreciate it, buddy. And and you guys are right into right into basketball season looking good for both the men and women. So um, although I won't be covering that, I encourage folks to to get the public media app and and check that out. So good, uh, good, good luck to you guys. And, and I'm sure we'll be chatting here in the off season. Sounds great, man. Thanks a lot for having us on uh, throughout the season and uh, and for all the work you do for Northwest Missouri State and, and uh, you know, uh, promoting Bearcat football as you do throughout the year. So I'm um, hoping to see these basketball teams keep on rolling, but heck, football will be right, right around the corner. I know it.
Welcome back here on Bleeding Green, Bears, Burgers, and Bearcat Football. I'm your host, Matt Daniel. Here as we start to wrap things up, no Bearcats according to Eli last week. Eli going into an early uh, offseason, but really no other games or anything to talk about. He was a little disappointed, of course, in the loss, but not devastated or anything like that. <laughs> Strangely enough, I've had more people at, reach out and ask me how he's dealing with the loss than uh, than anyone else. So anyway, that's kind of entertaining to me. Bearcat trivia, though. One final answer. I don't have a question this week because we're going to go on a little hiatus here on the podcast. But last week I asked the last time Northwest won at the number one team in the country. It was Central Washington in 2009. The Tyler Roach blocked extra point. So, uh, you know, game that we talked a lot about since we faced Central Washington this year for just the second time in history. So um, to talk a little bit about the podcast, that's something I wanted to talk to you about and tell you kind of my plans um, for this off season. I'm going to be taking about a month break or so, at least until after the first of the year minimum. And then from that point on, I will be uploading at least monthly, um, possibly a couple of times a month. The one thing I'm also going to do is create a Facebook page for the podcast, which is not something I've done. I'm not going to create a Twitter handle. You can just follow me on Twitter at frodaddy 84 um, but one of my plans over Christmas break, also going to have a new logo to debut as well, but I'm going to create a new, uh, new page or, or create a page, a Facebook page for the podcast. So if you're friends with me on Facebook, Matt Fro Daniel, that's me just whenever I'm sending that out to everybody. So just give that page a like, 
one of the issues I guess I've had is is of sharing it on Facebook is just not a lot of people see that. I think when there's a link, it's probably something to do with with Facebook's algorithm. I don't know. I'm honestly not smart enough <laughs> to know all of that stuff. But I think creating a page and, and sharing links on there, if, if you, and then you like the page and you can get updates and all of that stuff, I think that's a better way maybe to share that on Facebook. And I'll be honest, I haven't really promoted this podcast a lot, honestly. Um, the one thing I wanted to do was kind of get the bugs ironed out. You know, I did not expect... Um, as many of you to listen as have, and I 100% appreciate you and thank you so much for listening to the podcast, the support. I mean, I, I knew I'd probably have about 10 people or so that would listen every week, but I've averaged almost 60 downloads per episode throughout the season. Um, I thought I, I would really be over the moon if I would ever get 50 downloads on one episode and that happened pretty early as that very first episode with Chris Ward is, I think, the second most downloaded episode ever um, of this podcast. And strangely enough, the episode with Harding has climbed up to the third highest one, which, you know, that one's just a couple of weeks old. So that was pretty – that one's pretty special to me. Um, I mean, they all are. I 100% appreciate you listening. Seriously, this this has been a lot of fun for me this season. I, I had no idea, right? This If you've been listening from the beginning – even even if you haven't, I, I ramble on about this from time to time. But, you know, this is just kind of a harebrained idea. And, you know, the first phone call I made was my buddy Chris Ward. And the second phone call I made was Matt Trenton. And, you know, he does Bearcat Rewind. I certainly didn't want to step on his toes. You know, we talked a little bit about that earlier, him and I. And we talked about it on the season preview episode. And, and you know, he really helped me, you know, kind of get in with the athletic department. And they've been spectacular. You know, the Colin McDonough, A-plus to that dude. He has helped me get all of the player interviews that I've gotten and, you know, sideline passes, whatever. He has been, you know, 100% um, great for me to work with. I mean, even from, you know, me getting Coach Sturdy on early on in this podcast, which I think, you know, it was those types of things that I was looking to give me and give this podcast credibility, honestly. And, you know, I was I was able to... To accomplish everything I wanted to and so much more, and and while I am very proud um, and, and happy with this podcast, I'm not satisfied, and I wanted to continue keeping better, so I 100%, I'll give you my word, it's, it's going to get even better. You know, as I went and listened um, to the season preview episode with Matt to kind of prepare and, and listen to some things, the one thing that really stuck out to me was the audio quality. You know, that if you've been sticking around with me, boy, I, I sure appreciate it. It's, it's, I, I think we finally, finally kind of found a very professional, polished version of this podcast. It wasn't that at the beginning and uh, it wasn't anything I was embarrassed of, but boy, I'm, I'm really proud of the way, you know, it comes together and sounds and, and formatted and everything. And I'm, I'm going to continue and work my absolute hardest to make it even better. So let me tell you about my plans for the off season. So I mentioned, you know, I'll be uploading at least monthly, possibly a couple of times a month. Um, we'll just kind of see how it goes. It's going to be very similar to the preseason episodes of this podcast, which I don't think the quality should deter anybody from listening. I don't think it makes it unlistenable. So if you're new to the podcast, I would encourage you to go back and, and listen to those first few episodes. I know 
the in-season episodes maybe aren't that all that topical, but and, and honestly, I didn't think um, to timestamp things in the description until later on. Um, you know, until here, almost the end of the season, that's something I'll absolutely continue to do in the next season. But I would encourage you going to listen to those player interviews. I mean, that's one of the things that's been, besides getting to have my son um, on the podcast, Eli, doing these player interviews has been one of the most special things. And, you know, I, I can honestly say I have enjoyed 2021 Bearcat football as much as I've ever enjoyed anything since my very first game in the fall of 2002. Um, certainly, I mean, 09 was special because that was the first national championship win in, in my fandom since my time at Northwest. Now, I wasn't there in Alabama. I was there in 2015. I've told the story on here about, um, you know, tears in my eyes as the final whistle blows and, and I get to witness a Bearcat national championship, which I didn't know if it would ever happen in person, honestly. And, you know, I, I wasn't to the point where I could follow this team around all over the place, kind of like now. You know, we we made every playoff game this season. Um, you know, and that was really, really special. I'm not going to say any one moment is any more special than that one. But overall, this season has been absolutely special. And it's it's because of the players. It's because of this podcast. It's because of you listening. I mean, you, you have made um, this is... This is fun. I mean, I'll be honest with you. There has not been a single week all season where I did not look forward to putting this podcast together. Um, and listen, it, it takes work. You know, there are hours every single week that go into it, especially during these in-season episodes, putting all of the segments and, and getting interviews scheduled and all of that stuff. Um, certainly, you know, and, and it's... Um, I'm not going to say that it's not work and doesn't take time away from my family, but, you know, shout out to my wife, Jessica, who's been, of anybody, my biggest cheerleader in this whole thing, you know, from letting me spend the money that I spent on all of this nice equipment to make things sound as good as they do now to, you know, wrangling the kids and, and fixing dinner on some nights by herself. Um, you know, she is, is you know, 100% my partner in life. And I'll be honest with you there. I don't know if there's anybody else that would put up with me, um, but she's been spectacular and, and encouraged me and, and she's a great sounding board and I get to brainstorm with her. And anyway, don't, don't get me wrong. She gets sick of me talking about the podcast. So do my friends, <laughs> but um, I just tell you what, it, it's a big, it's, this thing's become a really big part of my life and I'm, I'm just glad that I, that you share it with me. So thank you very much. There's, there's so many people I could thank from every single guest that I've had on. I mean, kind of the core group of guys at the very beginning of this thing was, you know, was, was Chris and Matt, um, Brandon Meisner from D2 football, who's been awesome. Um, you know, and, and Reed Jorgensen, who I had on Jake Phillips, um, my buddy, Nate Goner, you know, who kind of, you know, I get, that's a really fun episode for me to go back and, and listen to the story and kind of where kind of the idea was born from for this, um, for this podcast. And strangely enough, the first play-by-play -play call you hear is Bob Orff in a Missouri Western game, not, not John Coffey. And, uh, anyway, that's, that's just kind of funny. Only for Nate, only for my buddy Nate would I, would I do something like that. But, you know, and John Coffey coming on every week, Devin Albertson, 
you know, John Dykstra and, and from the Forum and John Walker from the Missourian. I mean, they're a couple of guys that I've leaned on pretty heavily off air, although I've had them both on the podcast. Um, you know, I've, I've, there's so many people, so many connections and other things I've made, you know, talking to the different play by play people from the opponents and things, um, you know, to, to really kind of getting to know, um, more on a more personal level, Coach Churchma. I mean, my goodness, you know, that's, that's been as fun as anything. This, this thing has been great. Um, and, and I, I could talk another hour here for, for how appreciative I am and all the people I could thank, um, you know, an, another friend of mine, Jared, and and even Andrew Mead. Yeah, the Missouri Western wide receiver. He was a guy that uh, you know that I reached out to. Although definitely not a Bearcat fan, he agreed to you know kind of listen to that first episode. You know that episode with Chris Ward. I I'll put it up there with any of them. I'll be honest with you, and it isn't because of me. Um, you know, I, I I don't like to listen to that. The thing I do like to listen to it about is, is Chris's stories. I mean, he has a, a great way of of telling stories, and I knew, and we have great chemistry. We've been friends for a really long time, and I think it's no accident that the two episodes that he is on, the first one and the Missouri Western episode, are the two most downloaded <laughs> episodes of this podcast. So um, he likes to he likes to rub that in a little bit too. But no, uh, um, it's been a lot of fun. So there's going to be a lot more. There's you know, as far as the off season here, here's something I haven't talked to you about yet before I wrap things up, because imagine that I'm rambling, hmm, go figure, but some confirmed guests. So I mentioned it's going to be myself and a guest kind of similar to these preseason episodes. Once, you know, we kind of get going again after the first of the year, um, Xavier Oman is going to be joining me, Chris Grison, the very first national championship winning quarterback from Northwest is going to be joining me. There's some other guys I'm reaching out to as well. Coach Churchman, I'm going to have him on. Coach Wright, I was trying to get him on for this season wrap, but obviously, you know, you go right into recruiting. And so the whole coaching staff's kind of busy with that. So I'll do my best to get him on after the first of the year as well. I'll also be talking, you know, signing day when that comes in, in February, the spring game um, as well. And, and you know, Jordan Grove, by the way, former uh, – I don't know, call him the Swiss Army Knife. You know, Matt Trenton calls Jamar Moya the the Swiss Army Knife, uh, you know, for the Bearcats this year. Jordan Grove's the OG Swiss Army Knife. You know, that guy for the for the 2015 and 16 title winning teams, even 2017, he, he's got a really cool story. And so he's somebody that said he will come on with me as well. So, and there's some others. There's some other pretty big names in, in Bearcat, uh, you know, Bearcat history that I'm uh, planning on having on as well. And, you know, Coach T is going to be on with me. We have kind of kind of cool idea that I don't want to spoil that'll probably be later on in the offseason. So anyway, it's going to get better, all right? I, I'm going to work so very hard to, to make this podcast even better than it is and to keep bringing quality content and not just upload episodes to upload something, um, you know, when you get off-season episodes, they will be good ones, and they will be ones definitely worth listening to. So, again, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for all of the support. One other thing I wanted to mention is something that I really haven't talked about and, and I haven't pushed this first season. You know, I have not had any sponsors on this podcast, and that's been purposeful. Um, you know, th there's not really any pressure for me to make money from this podcast, honestly. Um, you know, it, it doesn't need to make me money, um, you know, for me to keep doing it or anything like that. But the one thing that I've come to the point, 
I would like to put any money that I can make from this podcast right back into it. Um, you know, I would like to do things like maybe giveaways and and uh, you know and 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 promoting it more. Honestly, other than you know my you know handful really in the grand scheme of things of of Facebook and Twitter followers and maybe posting it on the DTube message board. I have not promoted this podcast a whole lot, so that's probably something I'm going to start doing more. And honestly, I didn't know that I wanted to until I was sure it was something that I was going to be proud of. Um, and, and I think we're to that point. So if you have ideas, if you know anybody that would be interesting, interested in, in sponsoring this podcast, you know, again, averaging 59, 60 downloads for the season, if, if that makes a difference to anybody, shoot me an email or contact me on social media at FroDaddy84 is me on Twitter, Matt FroDaniel, that's me on Facebook. And, and here at the beginning of the year, we'll have, you know, I will have a, a Facebook page as well for the podcast, but the email is bleedinggreen.bearcats at gmail.com. So that's something I'm definitely going to be exploring as we go into uh, into 2022 as well. So again, thank you so much. This has been a whole lot of fun. I hope you have a, a happy holiday season. and Merry Christmas, if that's the case. Happy New Year, all of that good stuff. I hope you get some time to, to kind of reflect, recharge the batteries, spend some time with friends and family and your loved ones. And uh, that's going to do it. For this episode in this season of Bleeding Green, Beers, Burgers, and Bearcat Football, I'm your host, Matt Daniel, and as always, Go Bearcats!